Well, as you may have seen, Gaston County has a new budget for the new fiscal year. County fiscal years run from July 1 to June 30th, and so we have just kicked off the start of a new fiscal year. So what does it take to get a budget passed, and what all goes into it? Well, today I'm joined by a, most of our budget team. We've got Janet Schaefer, who's my co-host, but also the county's budget director, Taylor Drury, the assistant director, and Elizabeth Harry, who is serving as a fellow in the budget department. We're making a full circle here. Almost a year after we started Savvy Citizen, we're back to our very first guest, which is Taylor Drury, and she's actually joined um, by Elizabeth Harry, who uh, is with us from the budget office. And um, for those of you that listened a few weeks ago, uh, you would have heard Elizabeth on the fellowship episode. I guess to, to start things off, Taylor, talk to us a little bit about this year's budget process and maybe how it was a little bit different from, from years before or, you know, for, from your perspective, was it fairly similar? Obviously, COVID hit in the middle of budget season last year, which I think we talked about on the first podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So fortunately, we kind of had one of those under our belts this year. So it was relatively smooth in comparison. The biggest change was that this year, all of the department meetings were virtual. Mm-hmm. So last year, it hit in the middle of budget season, like I said. So we had already finished meeting with everyone in person. But unfortunately, a lot of the budget items that were requested and all the needs that we had discussed completely changed. Um, So this year, we didn't have the benefit of meeting in person, but at least the things that they were requesting and the things that we talked about they needed kind of stayed the same throughout the process. There wasn't a big upturn in the middle. Well, and you guys, not only did you meet individually with different departments, but you did kind of group meetings this year, too. Was that something new? Yes, that was new. So since Janet and I have both been in budget, one of our goals has been to increase collaboration between departments, especially for those that don't really get to work together outside of a department head meeting or board meetings every now and then. So this year what we did was have a panel with department heads from departments that are invested in the budget requests, for example, like IT and HR, Mm -hmm. um, where they would need to be involved if items were approved. So we had them there for each department meeting so they could ask questions and make notes of anything that was coming up for next year. So that was really helpful. And then we also had the county's first interdepartmental budget workshop. We had it virtually, so not as much kind of social connection as we would like, ideally. But there was still a lot of chances for collaboration in that. That allowed all the department heads to come up with ideas to work together as they discuss what they were going to be requesting this year, some challenges they've had, and successes as well. Do you think being able to hear more directly from some of the other different department heads maybe gave a little bit more insight on, oh, like I've requested this, but if I don't get it, I understand why, because this department really needs X or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I think that helps put everyone's budgets in perspective and all the departments work because everyone's invested in what they're doing, obviously, and they're really passionate about, but I think it helps put things in perspective when you can hear from someone in a completely different field than you, whether that's public safety or DSS. Also, a lot of requests sometimes overlap in other departments, but the other departments may not know that this person has this request. And so I think there was a lot of people realizing how much they actually have in common with what their requests are, and especially with the strategic plan and some of the goals that we are working towards. Um, A lot of departments do have similar goals right now, like being innovative and Mm -hmm. whatnot. So a lot of those things kind of do overlap. So they got to see that and maybe kind of consolidate some of their services. At what point were you kind of plugged into the budget process? Because I know the fellowship program was started earlier this year, right, Elizabeth? Oh, yeah, it started right in the middle of COVID. So, um, What better time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I didn't meet anyone in person for a while, but 
I got to drop straight into those virtual budget meetings that Taylor was just talking about. And it was just, it was really cool because, you know, I've been learning these things in school and it was a chance to see it in action. And it was very exciting to see every department head make their case for Mm -hmm. what they need and what they want. And also one thing I really enjoyed is seeing all of the performance metrics from Mm. the past year. So every department head talked about what they accomplished, gave some cold, hard facts, gave some numbers, and then laid out their goals for next year. So it was a really great introduction because I basically learned what everyone is doing uh, all at once. Yeah, it's a great way to like basically just get thrown into the deep end of the pool and basically figure out, oh, this is everything going on in the county. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It was a lot. It was a week of how many meetings is it total? Gosh, close to 30. Yeah, I was completely over Zoom. Oh, I bet. After that. I will say they were extremely efficient. Yes, yes. That was the good part. But it was great because on Zoom, you can have people like Elizabeth, and we also had someone else just shadowing, and she was just kind of sitting in, too, when she could join us. She was a student. So, yeah, it was cool. But, yeah, I definitely got Zoom fatigue. What are some of the things that people requested? Before I get into department-specific requests, I guess I can just talk about the budget overall to give people an idea of how big our county budget is, what's in there. So the total budget for all funds is about $342 million. And the general fund, which is just the county's general operating fund that's primarily supported by property tax dollars, is $229 million. Just for context, this is about $6 million more than it was in the previous year in our first COVID budget, if you want to call it that, but it's a 0% increase from our pre-COVID fiscal year 2020 budget. So I'll talk mostly about the general fund, um, since that's where the majority of property tax dollars go, and that's just the general operating fund we talk about the most when we discuss the budget. But education and public safety account for about 63% of those expenditures, and so that includes the county's share of operating capital and debt service requirements for both Gaston County Schools and Gaston College. And then some other expenditure highlights, talking about the schools, we increased both uh, of their operating allocations, and then we added 15 new full-time positions. And this was a big deal because in the COVID budget, we approved no new positions last year. So that was exciting that we were finally able to get some new positions for departments. And then We're implementing a new 401k program for all eligible county employees. And this is something we really wanted last year, but obviously that was one of the first things to go when we had to reevaluate requests and then our revenue projections last year. That's so exciting. Somebody asked yesterday about it, and, you know, a lot of private companies went, I think back in the 80s, went from pension to 401k. And I'm like, well, we we have the 401k now to supplement that pension. So it's really exciting. It'll be a great recruiting tool. Because we, we didn't have anything before for 401k. So. Well, and you guys did a lot of the work in terms of doing research of what other cities in Gaston County had and what other kind of similar size counties had in terms of what they were offering with 401k to kind of be able to make that argument that Dr. Eagle could make to the board. Yeah, yeah. We were, I think, us in, in High Shoals, right? Yeah, High Shoals yeah. was the only other one that didn't have anything. Yeah, it, so. Like literally every other municipality within the county had one. Most of the like-sized counties across North Carolina have one. Yeah, and right now it's so hard to get employees. I mean, that's a national problem to sure. recruit employees and keep employees. And people are doing things like hiring bonuses and what else have you guys heard about? All kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, there's 
drove past some McDonald's here the other day that they said starting salaries up to $17 an hour. The Zaxby's was saying $300 immediate sign-on bonus. Like, I mean. Plus you get free Zaxby's. Right. I don't know if you do or not, but well, I, I assume that's the least, benefit. Yeah. I mean, at least discounted Zaxby's, I would hope. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't give people free Zaxby's, but now we have a 401k. So. Right. Right. <laughs> it counts for something. So the strategic plan was adopted. When was that adopted? Not long ago. I okay. Mean, March, April. So that has some specific goals that departments are going to align their requests with. And then we've been working with um, some of the board's goals and Dr. Eagle's goals as well. And so departments do kind of align their requests with these things. So can you talk about some of the requests that align with this? Like, I know diversity, equity, and inclusion is one of the things we were working toward. I know for Dr. Eagle, like a lot of it is being very data-driven. And I know Taylor, you were talking about how, and Elizabeth too, about some of the performance metrics and departments really starting to plug those in in terms of here's what our goals are and we can show you tangibly like we got to a certain point or we exceeded that goal. And I know for her, I mean, she's she's been pushing departments to make almost stretch goals because she said, you know, don't be afraid of not hitting the mark. I mean, we, we want to think big and, and try to do big. For a request specific to like data performance, innovation, we had a lot of like new software requests. We had analyst positions because you can have the software all day and the data, but if you don't have anyone to analyze it, yeah. what, what is it going to be used for? We saw a lot of equipment requests, nothing, nothing huge. They were still pretty conservative, but just things that'll make us more innovative and competitive with other counties that are doing similar things. So Gaston County has a multicultural affairs committee now, which Elizabeth is on. Adam is learning Spanish, right, to, to do some outreach to the Spanish-speaking community. I know the health department's doing some outreach to the Latinx community. They actually started a, a Facebook page specifically in Spanish to be able to connect with that, oh, with that community. So cool. like anything that we're producing from the health department side, they will translate it and put it out that way. That's awesome. Also, GEMS, for example, they're working on um, getting quicker access to some of the rural areas as well. Um, so, you know, just any way we can make the county overall more inclusive and, you know, it's everyone pays taxes, so we should mm-hmm. we should provide services equally to everyone throughout the county. Another GEMS example, too, while we're talking about it, is they're getting a community paramedic. That oh, was yeah. one of the positions that was requested. So that'll be great, obviously, during COVID response while that's still going on, but afterwards as well, just reaching out to different parts of the community that are underserved. There's lots of goals that these requests in the new fiscal year align with. We were talking before we started the podcast, and I think, Taylor, you are saying it when, when all the departments initially sent, submitted their requests. I mean, they, they do it a little bit in a silo, knowing that, you know, okay, we're, we're being asked to put forward what we think we need in the next fiscal year, and depending on directors, I mean, some of them may, well, I'm going to put everything out there and just see what happens, and others may be a little bit more conservative in their approach. But it was what, like 48 million in total requests over where we needed to be in terms of getting a budget that didn't have any fund balance spending, right? Yep. So Elizabeth, when you came in and and saw that, for you being the first time working on a budget, trying to figure out how you were going to get that all the way down and cut 48 million out of the request, did that seem like an insurmountable task? I mean, compared to the historical (laughs) numbers on fund balance appropriation, for sure. Yeah. Taylor had me look at the last 50 years of audit reports and chart out how much fund balance was appropriated um, as a proportion of the overall budget. And really, I mean, there was a little bit of time in the early 2000s when fund balance appropriation was pretty low. 
But other than that, we're entering like historically uncharted territory. Like pre, did, like we had to search like physical copies of these documents, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jenna went down into the basement. I don't, I don't even know what this storage <laughs> location is. It's it's scary, but I'll I'll show you one day. It's worth it to like you get to like. Like in the movies where you pick up a book and you blow the dust off and uncover a secret. It's just like that. We'll go and down there. a whole there. family of wolf spiders, probably. <laughs> yes, yes. And just for the listeners' background, so when we talk about fund balance appropriation, we're basically talking about the county savings. So in North Carolina, counties are required to adopt a balanced budget where your revenue has to equal your expenditures. So if your expenditures are more than the revenue you're projecting, you can appropriate fund balance, which is basically a part of your savings, to balance the budget. So this is the first year since, I guess, the 1970s, based off of the research Elizabeth was talking about, that we've adopted a budget without general fund fund balance being used to balance it. So for people that are listening, like if you if you hear that and you go, okay, it's been since 1970 that we've ever done a, a budget without appropriating fund balance. As I hear that, I would think, how did the county not run out of money by now? But like there's been certain instances in previous years, like there was a a lease agreement with like Caremont for some land a few years ago. And part of that lease agreement was Caremont paying 20 million to the county. So like there have been years where like there's been other funds that have come in that have helped to keep fund balance from being completely depleted, I guess. Right. Yeah. There's one-off situations like that, but obviously you never want to count on something like that happening. Um, But basically when you're appropriating fund balance, you're saying, here's the plan if we spend everything that we're budgeting. So if your expenditures come in less than what you had planned for, you obviously don't spend all of those savings. So that's Mm. how we have never spent the amount that we've used to balance the budget, but it's still not a good practice to adopt a budget with it. Yeah, best practice is you overestimate your expenditures, underestimate your revenues. That's just safe and that's smart budgeting. Um, We typically fall, I don't know what the percentage is, we fall under our budget a little bit each year but not much and of course you know we don't really plan to have extra ever Mm -hmm. but things come up as you know a lot of times we have purchases that we couldn't have foreseen or planned for right that being said there's a lot of things that people then realize they won't have time to accomplish in the fiscal year they originally budgeted so things like that kind of make up the difference sometimes but yeah there's definitely a fine line between we've been doing our fund balance has been dwindling but we aren't running out yeah. But we have been appropriating it for a long time, so this is an exciting time to work in budget. And it affects the credit rating to a certain degree, right? Like, I mean, if you if you kind of spend down that fund balance and you don't have a good, a healthy, quote-unquote, savings account, like, that could potentially lower your credit score or your credit rating with the credit agencies. Yeah, um, and so you're going to pay higher interest right. rates. Yeah. So it's going to, I mean, there's a tangible cost to the taxpayers if, like, the county isn't being smart with the money that it has. Yeah, and that's why we've put a lot of focus on that these past couple of years, at least since I've been in the budget office. Um, We've been improving our credit ratings each year. Uh, We haven't issued debt in this past year, but we're planning on doing our next school bond issuance next year. So that's why there's a lot of focus right now on not appropriating fund balance in the budget and just getting our finances in the best position possible so that Mm -hmm. we get good interest rates. When you're talking about issuing bonds, I mean, we're talking about millions upon millions of dollars. And so then the interest on that, I mean, that's a significant amount of money potentially. We just issued refunding bonds this past year. So that's not a new bond issuance. Basically, you're you're just refunding them at a lower interest rate. And I think that saved taxpayers a little over $4 million. And that was only possible because we've improved our credit rating. So things like that, like you said, result in tangible savings for the county and for taxpayers. Taylor, you're one of the ones that 
does a lot of the work on some of the visuals that go into the budget that I think are really helpful in terms of just helping people understand where the, the tax dollar breakdown goes. And I think when we were looking at it this year, based on like the median house value, it's what, about $14 that you would save on a tax bill if the, if the rate was to drop a penny? Yep. The tax rate in this budget is $0.83 cents per $100 in value, same as the current year rate, and that was the lowest tax rate in 20 years. That $14 for your average homeowner equals, what, about $2 million in funds for the county? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're talking about a number of positions or programs or the ability to do buildings or any number of things, obviously. Yeah, and like we talked about earlier, 63% of that goes towards education and public safety. So keep that in mind when you're assessing like the $14 difference on your tax bill. And we also put out a tax bill insert, so you'll be getting that, or citizens will be getting that with their tax bills this year that show the breakdown of the budget and use kind of an example tax bill with the median home value to show what percentages and what departments it funds. And I mean, and nobody likes paying taxes, but it's like, I feel like the more that you can explain how well the money is being used and just how much scrutiny goes into putting together a budget to make sure that we're not frivolously spending money and we're not wasting money, I think should give folks some reassurance that there isn't just this giant pile of money we have sitting in the back somewhere that, you know, we're lighting on fire. A hundred percent. And especially um, that's why it's so important that our economy just gets stronger and stronger. The more like sales tax we generate and other tax revenues or fee and permit revenues from from builders, for example, the less we rely on property tax and we'll be able to lower the tax rate in the future. We just have to strengthen other revenues. How does this compare to like some other counties? Because Elizabeth, you were saying that you're, you were at New, ha- New Hanover County. They're obviously much more dependent upon tourism, tourism yeah. right? And like some of the counties in the mountains or in the beach, like they're, they're going to get that a lot more. I mean, we obviously have a travel and tourism department. We get some, but it, uh, not nearly to the extent of some oh, other counties. Yeah. So, yeah, so occupancy tax is the main revenue that's associated with tourism. So right. we don't really rely heavily on that. It funds our tourism department basically 100%, but nothing else. But so sales tax historically just really volatile. We've relied more heavily on property tax, but... During COVID, that was one of the things that we were surprised by. We thought sales tax would take a huge hit, and that's what we planned for in last year's budget. We're really lucky that that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, Gaston County residents were staying in the county and spending their money here instead of going nearby to Charlotte. So that's one positive of not having an economy that relies on tourism. That's also a major way we balance the budget without fund balances. The previous year, our sales tax, we projected a, what, a 12% decline which was standard. We, you know, we talked to multiple jurisdictions and, right. and financial advisors and whatnot. And it was also standard that everybody's revenue came in a lot higher than they anticipated, higher than the year before. So I think um, when you look at FY21 to FY22 sales tax, it looks like we just jumped way up in sales tax, but it's actually not that big of a deal considering we decreased it by 12% from, right. from the previous year. So yeah, that helped a lot with the zero fund balance thing for sure. And it's still, it's still a conservative estimate, of course. So now that we've done zero fund balance for this year, is that going to be the goal basically going forward? You know, unless something catastrophic happens that like we just, you would say like another COVID. Yeah, I think so, especially for the next couple of years. So right now our fund balance is currently at 18% of our total expenditures. And government agencies with the highest credit ratings usually about 30%. 
So I think the closer we get to that kind of fund balance and restore it to a healthier level than it is right now, then I don't know, we'll consider appropriations in the future. But at least for the next couple of years, I think the goal will remain to appropriate no general fund fund balance. And that, I mean, that straight, again, we talked about the, the credit rating part of it, but it's like the county sits at like a, a double A plus at this point and the highest for like a municipality or a county is a, is a triple A bond rating, right? Right. Yeah. We're close, but yeah, we still got work to do on that. So, yeah. In North Carolina, governments in general have really high credit ratings because we have some of the most oversight at the state level compared to other states. So yeah. that's a positive for counties when we're issuing debt. We usually get good interest rates compared to counties across the country because North Carolina is rated so strongly. So it's seen as a as a smart investment or a safe investment for folks, essentially. Yes. Yeah, there's some history on that. Like back in the Great Depression, North Carolina got into some trouble with local finances. And as a result of that, we have the Local Government Commission, which a lot of states, I don't know if states have a version of it, but I do know that North Carolina's is, is a lot more strict, mm. a lot more policy driven, I guess. And then even on top of the strict policies in North Carolina, local jurisdictions or, you know, the actual agency has even more restrictive policies in place. So when we have a lot too, and another way we help to balance the budget is, is putting some more, or I'd not say more, I'd say better policy in place for FY22 as well that will be super helpful. You're listening to Savvy Citizen. So here's a question that's budget related, but not necessarily specific to the budget that was just passed. The, the budget office is changing from, it was budget and management to now budget and strategy. Yes. Yes. And I'm excited. You've got Justin Amos, who we've had on the podcast before, is both a guest host and, and a guest, will be moving up to an assistant director role. What does that look like in terms of maybe some differences or some new things that your, your office will be taking on? I'm excited about this because we've always, as Taylor talked a lot about this on the the last time she was here, and Elizabeth can speak to this as well, but we've always taken on more than budget. Mm -hmm. Um, We've always been like a a catch-all for random projects. We started a data team throughout the county that we're working on. You know, Elizabeth, you're involved in multiple things outside of budget already, even as a, you know, fellow. What what all are you involved in? You have the the MAC. I'm also helping David Williams with the homelessness task force he's doing with Commissioner Phil Beck. And uh, let's see, I think you were also, you were involved in the health and all policies thing. Uh, or I just attended, attended it. Attended <laughs> it. Yeah. So even, even as a fellow, as a fellow, which currently you work like half the, or 20 hours 20 a weekish, hours. we just get involved in, in so much that's not budget. Everything's related to the budget, but it's not budget specific. And in the past we've been budget and management, which people confuse that a lot with the management, like the county manager's right. office. Um, so we're changing the strategy because we now have our strategic plan, and a lot of people in the county played a big role in that. Um, David Williams, and I can, can't name them all, but um, Justin was involved in that as well, and he's got some experience working in strategic planning, and so he's going to kind of take that on and work with the process improvement staff to implement some performance measures, some KPIs to help us uh, meet the goals of the strategic plan. And also kind of tackle things like the data team and some some big countywide projects. We're planning to do a full CIP, which is a capital improvement plan. So planning out our capital projects for five to ten years out instead of just the next year like we have in the past. So that'll be a great project. Well, and that way, I mean, you can start like setting money aside in the budget. Like if you know, okay, we've got a massive project coming up and we want to try to avoid issuing a ton of debt for it, we can start putting money aside for this five years out or 10 years out or whatever, right? 
Yep, exactly. And that's why we implemented the community investment fund model this past year. So that was basically consolidating all the funds that we use for debt service, for capital projects, both county debt and school debt into one fund so that all the revenues are coming in one place and that will increase our debt capacity overall. There's a lot going on between the two and there really are strategy and budget really are very related. So they'll all get us to a place we want to be long term. Is part of that doing work in the quote unquote off season with some of the different departments on, you know, planning for longer term goals? I mean, I know you talked about capital, but I mean, are, are there other things that you would work with different departments on in terms of, you know, helping them with aligning with the strategic plan or is that all still kind of up in the air? Yes, we are going to do that. We just don't have a solid plan for it yet. Another thing that we're going to be doing, or that the str- strategy side, I guess I should say, is going to be doing is working with priority-based budgeting, which is something mm-hmm. we've used in the past, and departments are familiar with it. But it's called priority-based budgeting, but we really are using it more for the metrics and performance side. So that'll kind of help departments, you know, figure out where they're, you know, where they may need to improve or where they're excelling and, you know, where we need to invest money in, that kind of thing. So what their priorities are a long time as well. So that'll help with departments as well with planning for the future and the county as a whole. And I think the strategic plan group is planning on going out to departments um, in the next couple of months and helping departments make their own department-specific strategic plan, but making sure that it aligns with the county-wide plan. So they'll get like one-on-one individualized help with that. Yeah, that'll be really exciting because I know that there's – it kind of spans the spectrum. Like you've got some departments that have been really good about that and have very detailed strategic plans that probably just need some tweaking and alignment. And then there's others like my department that have to start it from scratch. Or like budget and strategy who has (laughs) zero strategy. (laughs) It's just in our heads right now. We'll get it on paper. (laughs) It's it's all making it sound good and looking official on, on something written out. Oh yeah. I'm excited about it. Well, I know that Dr. Eagle had kind of a list of things that she told the board that's like, all right, these are things that are going to be going on probably over the next year. Do, yeah. you, do you guys play any sort of a role? And I know one of the things she looked at was like kind of setting a minimum pay scale because I know that we've, right. especially right now, we're struggling to hire people um, for some of those lower paying jobs because it's, you know, we're competing with McDonald's or we're mm-hmm. competing with Target. And a lot of these places have bumped up salaries to $15 an hour. They're, they're throwing bonuses in there because they're having such a hard time hiring people. Yeah. Um, so it really changes the game for, for local governments, too. Oh, yeah, we've got to consider it. And, and, you know, that's the thing about government is if it's not budgeted for, we can't really do it. And mm-hmm. we didn't really plan for in January that this kind of shift would happen and that people would be offering bonuses. Right. You know, We really need to, you know, do a lot better job of looking in the future and looking at some of those trends and trying to budget for them. But, yeah, I guess that'll be part of that analysis is, how do we retain and recruit people? And we are doing a countywide salary study currently. Oh, yeah. So that'll great. help address some of those concerns. Yeah. But it sounds like what you need to budget for next year is a crystal ball. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if only. 